Welcome to Solutions. When men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, we have on the show a pristine leader in chakras and natural energy. He's a developer in the creative arts, a man who understands balance, the power of water, and the positive universe affirmations. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the best-selling author, martial arts instructor, inspirational speaker, certified neurologist, and wealth expert, Mr. Chris Enlightened. Women, <laughs> what's good, good brother? How you doing? How you doing today? I'm always in a good mood. I'm feeling really well today. I hope I said that right. Numerologist. Did I say that it's right? It's numerologist. It's numerologist. numerologist. Yeah, those that know, know. Yeah, it's hey, all I, good. I, I want to make sure I get it right. If I don't know, I got to get it right. <laughs> it's all good. Are you ready to drop these gems and answer these questions today? Let's go. I'm always ready. I'm always sprinkling nickel bags of my light everywhere I go. So let's go. I hear you, man. Here we go. What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? Who or what defined you? You know, that's a good question right there because as a kid, I grew up with humble beginnings. My father wasn't in my life at all. So um, I took what he didn't do and I just did that. So I would say my father was my motivator. He was an indirect person who got me on the path that I'm on now. Everything that he didn't do, as long as I didn't do that, I was winning. But as an adult, I would say the person that I would really admire the most would be my spiritual master, Dr. Mitchell Gibson. Um, he taught me about the laws of spirituality and just everything to help you grow and advance financially and spiritually, socially, relationship-wise, all facets of your life. And since I've met Dr. Mitchell Gibson, I would honestly say he's one of the most inspirational humans I've ever been around in my life. So, yeah. So as far as your father, so as far as your father goes, tell me when is the point you actually realize, hey, I need to do the opposite of what I'm being given. You know, a lot of people can't remember their childhood. I remember things back when I was three and four. And I remember one time he was supposed to get me. He was, I was supposed to spend the summer with him when I was five years old. I was packed. I remember the energy of being excited all week. And um, he said he was at the airport. He was coming to get me. I'm 45 now but I was five years old then. And um, I remember going to sleep on the steps, wait for him to get home. My mom waking me up at like one in the morning talking about he's not coming. And then early on, I was like, you know what? I'm done. And I was done at five years old. And it's really weird for a person to say that. But I could honestly say I was done at five years old. That's what I realized that, you know what? I'm not getting anywhere with this. So I got to find my own way. I got to navigate my own way through this jungle and do it and do it the best I can, you know? The mentor, tell me his name again, Dr. Dr. Mitchell Gibson. Dr. Dr. Mitchell Gibson. Dr. Mitchell yeah. Gibson. Tell me, oh, yeah. tell me how much was an advantage for you to actually get some financial literacy and stability early in your life. And also let us know what is one gem he gave you that remains with you to this day. I'm gonna start with the gem. The biggest gem I would say he would ever, he, he gave me directly was he told me that when you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Mm. And it took a minute for me to understand that, but I was embracing and just, just getting comfortable being on the human wall of suffering. And I realized that, man, if I don't dissolve this poverty consciousness, I'll never usurp my financial divinity. So that's something he taught me to 
have a, or embrace wealth consciousness. And he gave me a bunch of tools and a bunch of wisdom on how to attain that type of mindset. And, the, and not just the mindset, the tangible proof. So, yeah. I can't let you go by without giving us one tool. You got to give us something to start out on. One tool that I've used that changed my life was the miracle prayer. It's called the end of a core. It's an ancient prayer. And what it does is create miracles in your life. It dissolves negativity in your life. And I memorized the prayer. It took me about a few months to memorize the prayer. But once I memorized the prayer, my life started to change. I started to add more light to my soul. And that prayer helped change my life. Yeah. What advantages did the prayer, the financial advice, what he taught you, what advantages, how far do you think it pushed you to realize that you were living in limitations? You know, back when I was embracing poverty consciousness, my world was bleak. I didn't have a lot of outdoors of opportunity opening up for me. And then I realized that by embracing wealth consciousness, there are limitless doors with opportunity. All I have to do is create vessels to be blessed with. And that was it. So once I came up with that idea, that's when my life changed. I just started doing things and being indifferent to how other people felt about it. Because if I'm feeling inspired to do something, that divine celestial energy that's flowing through me mm -hmm. is being downloaded in me to do something with it. So I may be creating something now that humans just might not even be ready for. But I'm not concerned with the money. The money comes once you develop the wealth consciousness. You know, once you realize that you're wealthy in love, joy, happiness, everything around you, there's always a thousand more things to love than there is to hate around you. You just have to have a, a different level of awareness and just understand a state of gratitude. And that's just something that I try to do all the time, bro. I feel the energy right here through this Zoom call that we're on. I feel the energy through this podcast. I definitely want to ask you, what was your first drop of honey that said this is going to work? Because everybody needs some proof every once in a while. So what was that first drop of honey that came out that jar? You know, I don't tell a lot of people this. I don't think I ever told anybody this. But the biggest drop of honey came when I memorized the Nisa Vajaya Dharani. And it was a big daunting prayer. It was three paragraphs long. I don't know the language, but I memorized it. And as soon as I memorized this prayer, it took me about six months. As soon as I memorized this prayer, two weeks later, I got a call from my student loans talking about, you're expunged. No reason why you're, you're, Sally may sent me a letter saying I owed nothing. I owed 52 grand, but you know, winning. And that's when I knew, I said, you know what? This ancestor altar, these prayers is doing something to me. And that's when I just started to be me and started writing books, helping people um, and no longer embracing negativity in my life, dissolving relationships that wasn't serving my highest purpose, taking in more sunlight, just really started winning on all facets of life. And it all was a, akin to me growing spiritually and realizing that I can have whatever I want in this life, you know? I want to ask you something. I like to call this an audible question. This, this audible question is <laughs> not a part of what we usually ask on the show, but this is really detailed towards everything you've been talking about so far. Okay. My question to you is, when did you deal with the fact that you had this knowledge and information, you realized people wanted to not save themselves. Did that make you angry? How did you deal with it? When did you deal with it? You know, that's a good question right there because that's something that you have to tackle. You have to realize that you can't jump in front of other people's karma. And my level of understanding, mm. I feel as if we, we come here for a reason. And if I'm trying to save everyone who's fighting for their limitations, 
they're, they're never going to learn the reason why they got here. So one thing I don't do is toil or argue with people, and I don't get in front of other people's karma. If you're telling me you don't want to learn, I'm going to let you fail until you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and decide to win. Once you develop that wealth conscious or that winning mindset, then we can work. But until then, I'm indifferent to you. I can love you from afar. I will wish you well, but I won't help you unless you search seeking help, showing me that you want the help. That's the people you help. And you, you, you don't waste as much time. I wasted so many years trying to help people who, who came here to lose. There's duality in reality. Some people come here to win, but some people come here to lose. What if someone's been winning for 10,000 years and want to experience a life full of losing? You know, I think there's infinite possibilities on what reality can contain. So I don't judge people wherever they are, whatever decision they make is the best decision they thought of at that moment. There's no right or wrong. There's favorable and unfavorable situations. But I've learned that when you jump in front of other people's karma, some of that karma, the negative karma adheres to you. You have to deal with it. When did you realize that your advancement wasn't normal. When you were thinking, why you don't know this? Why didn't you see this coming? When you realized that, hey, I didn't realize I might be a little bit more advanced here. How did you realize that for yourself? You know, I would say I grew up in the hood, humble beginnings in the hood ghetto of Cincinnati and it was rough. You know, one of those projects where it's like, I don't know if you know anything about Cincinnati, but- Yes, 12, I got family in Cincinnati. Shout out you to You already know about the Lincoln Course, though. That's where I grew up the first 18 okay. years of my life, man. So I was scared a lot. I was scared a lot as a young man. I couldn't show it. Got a lot of battle scars, but I was scared a lot. And my way of thinking was just not other like other people. And there was a library on the corner that I was just being almost every day. We had the Regal there. So I was always watching movies and reading books. So I was going through all these portals in time and it was just helping my, my consciousness expand more than what I see in front of me. And it gave me the level of understanding that, man, I got this need to succeed, so I need to feed that. And that's what I did. The, the vernacular I chose to use, the way I treated people. I'm a chess player. I play speed chess 20, 30 games every day. Let's go. I'm always trying to do things to better myself because I come from humble beginnings. And when you don't have anything like that, you get this level of um, drive and determination that you can't, you can't teach that. It comes from extreme suffering. Exactly. And you know, me growing up, I was a chess player as well. And once mm. you drop those chess pieces off in any poverty situation, people pick up that game and they love it. And they forget about the bad times they're going through. You just have to activate the creativity in people. So I've seen the game of chess flood a neighborhood where everyone was playing. They forgot about being negative or forgot about any poverty situation they were going through. Right. My question to you is what books saved your life? What books could you share with us today? Just a few of what you sure. saved your life. The first book that I would say really saved my life is uh, the first book that saved my life. That's a good question because as a child, we were reading like three, four books a year. It's not a lot, but as a child, it was three, four books a year. But your human body of light saved my life. And that's when I first came across Dr. Mitchell Gibson. I read his book. I heard about the book and I got it. And, you know, you're, you're, yeah, you're a mortal body of light. And it talked about how, although we're living in his earthly domain, there's a whole other spiritual, spiritual side of you that you can't even fathom. 
and he was just going into some of the things that you could expect on the other side and a whole bunch of other things that um, I really can't really divulge, you know what I mean? But I would actually ask people to go out and get that book, Your Immortal Body of Light. And it talked about how you can um, achieve a level of Jawus Pa, where you turn to the body of light. When you don't die, you transition to light and you just, there's a continuation of consciousness there. And, you know, thousands of people around the world do it every year, but the media doesn't talk about it. So after I read the book, um, my master came to me in my dreams and he told me all the things that I was going to be doing one day and he wanted to show his power to me. So, you know, it freaked me out. He did some things in the dream. I woke up and told my wife like, whoa, I had a dream about Dr. Richard Gibson. So I felt compelled to go to one of his seminars. So from reading the book to having the dream to going to a seminar, meeting him, and he knew me. And not only me, hundreds of other people that he was in their dream as well. And he knew them all. And it was just like really profound for me to see something like that. And, um, you know, years later, this is about six, seven years ago, I would say, uh, yeah, about six, seven years ago, my life has changed for the better. And I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in prove it. So when you can prove something's working for you and thousands, if not millions of other people around the world, I want to taste it too. And that's what I did. I, I, I absolutely believe you. I, I have a lot of dreams where I feel like I travel to different people's life, lives or different situations where I get to see up front whatever trauma they may be going through. It's always some type of trauma. It's never really a celebration where it might be some death in the dream and I get to watch and experience what just happened. It'd be moments where I actually get up and Google, did this event actually happen yet? Because I know this sounds weird for those of my listeners who usually never go this far, but it's a real thing, man. You Your subconscious could really take you somewhere. I, I believe you travel in different dimensions, different realms, maybe different past lives or uh, parallel worlds of who you could be if you made different mistakes with your words or different choices with your actions. So I appreciate you sharing that. That gives people right here in this show right here something to think about. It's all good, good brother. When we're formulating these things in our minds and now you were saying you were scared, but as, as an as a acid reflux to your fear, you didn't engage in bettering yourself and traveling to different realms and within books and different pastimes. Mm-hmm. Now that you are a man and you're forming, you have a conquest, I ask you, do you have a vision board? Of course, of course. I have three. I have one, a visual, a, a, a tangible vision board that you hold. I have a digital one on my computer and I have one I keep in my wallet. It's just a bunch of words. All my vision boards aren't the same type of things, but the one on the PC, that's the one I got everything I want out of life. See, a vision board is a bridge to give you what you need in life. You want to look at it. You want to be staring at it, praying, please come true. You want to look at it, give thanks, feel the emotion that you already have it, and just be thankful in advance for what you already got coming to you. When you think about things in this earthly domain, it doesn't happen in real time, although your thoughts occur in real time. But it takes time to extract that from the ether. But you have to do things like think about it. When you think about something that you want, you create an atom of consciousness. But you have to fuel that atom of consciousness with an emotion of joy, happiness, love. And once you do that, you have to do something tangible every day that's in alignment with what you want. A lot of people get manifestation and dream boards mixed up by just sitting there thinking, hoping and wishing and praying. But nothing comes to you without action. You gotta do some action. And the more action you do, your intent is gonna modify future probabilities of success. And it's just as simple as that.
If you can give me two things off your vision board, one apex goal that you're currently chasing and one apex goal that you have achieved, what would that be? My biggest goal on my book, on my um, on my vision board is creating 100 books before I transition. My second biggest goal is being with my wife for 50 years. That's my second goal. We've been together 27 years. And I put that on there about five years ago. I was like, you know, I need to put something that I see every day on the board too. Something that I can strive for. So that helps me keep sweetness on my tongue when I talk to my queen. I always treat her as if she means everything to me. She never goes a day wondering if, hey, he, does he love me? I tell her all day. I'm real sweet to my lady. And I try to make it cool to show these young men that, hey, when you with your queen for 10, 15, 20 years, it gets real sweet. It's a whole different level of universal oneness that we're not taught about. And that's when your magic starts to manifest. You go from creating like a lover, a soulmate, a twin flame, and then you become a destiny pair. And when you become a destiny pair, all facets of your life is working right. Your money is good. Everything is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The golden anniversary is what you speak of. And how close mm. are you? That's 50 years, right? Married 50 years, the golden anniversary. How many books have you written so far? Just five right now. Just five. 90, listen, we can do it. We got 95 to go. That's something super important. I cannot wait until you reach your 100 book. I will be standing there like he did it. And I put But I've been doing that. I put that on my vision board five years ago. So I'm knocking a book out every year. So I'm on, I'm on course, but I need to step it up a little bit. You will. Absolutely. Yeah. What type of affirmations are you telling yourself every day to make sure that you stay focused on your goals, focus on your lady, and focus on the purpose? You know, my biggest affirmation is simple. Winning! Winning is a finite thing. You know what it is. It's not second place. It's everything. It encompasses so much juiciness that it's just like my word of power. So the first thing I wake up is winning. My wife thinks I'm crazy, but she loves it because she know I mean it. She know I walk it, I talk it, I breathe it. Everybody show me their teeth when they're around a winner. You know what I mean? It makes you excited. Like, man, he got it. Let's go. But my other, author, not really affirmations, I always say my divine prayers. I say the Adam McCoy every day. There's Lisa Vajayi Durrani and the Body of Light Mantra every day. I say them every day. Some people say you should say it 108 times a day. That's a little daunting for me at this time of my life. When I get older, when things kind of slow down a little bit, I have more time. I'm going in hard body, but I get them in every day. Do me a favor. Say those same three prayers, Dame, slower again for those who might not know exactly what that is. Sure. The Anabakoa, the Isnisa Vajaya Durrani, and the Body of Light Mantra. And all those mantras, I say them real slow, give you some nice stimulating visuals on my YouTube page. So you can go out to my playlist and go to mantras. I got you. He got you on the mantras. Absolutely. We talked about you growing up in Cincinnati and Lincoln. We talked about the fears that you had, but you escaped it through books, writing, learning what not to do from your father. Growing up, you had three vision boards. You had these affirmations. You have these goals of 50 years married with your wife. Also write 100 books. Yes, sir. I am listening 100%. Tell me, through all of that focus of trying to get yourself right, to line yourself up with your chakras, with your energies, what did you sacrifice? You know, I would say the most thing that I sacrifice is time with around friends. 
One thing that I learned from me is I can't be successful if I'm the only leader of the bunch. Mm. I don't want to be the best of the losers. I want to be the one that everyone around me is already a millionaire and I'm the one with something to learn. And I had to learn to tell people no. I had to learn that your, your financial wealth is a percentage of your five closest friends. I looked at my friends at the time. I said, I cannot win with y'all in my life. I love y'all, but if y'all not trying to move how I'm trying to move and win, I gotta let you go. I see you, it's cordial, winning, but I'm not gonna be around you like that. That's absolutely what we just spoke about. How do you let people go? How do you determine when people, you say you don't wanna step in front of their limitations or step in front of their karma. I think that mm -hmm. was really deep. Uh, what doctor, tell me his name one more time, excuse Dr. Mitchell. Sure, Dr. Mitchell Earl Gibson. Dr. Mitchell Earl Gibson. I will not forget that again. Sorry about that, Dr. Mitchell Earl Gibson. I believe that comment he gave you about living up to your limitations was absolutely profound. And Dr. Mitchell Gibson, I take my hat off to you for that. I want to dive a little deeper, though. Okay. I want you to tell me what your lowest moment was. And I just don't want to know about your personal image lowest moment. I want to know how you got up. This is for the people that might be listening right now that may say, hey, yeah. I don't know how to get up from this moment, but if you can share an experience where you were down and you got back up, how did you do it? You know, some of the darkest times of my life was when I was in college and I was always a proud dude. I was always a proud king, walked with nobility everywhere I went. I'm not an asker. I don't have asking consciousness. So if I need help, I'm going to find a way. But as a young man, 19 through 21, I needed help but I didn't understand how to ask for help because there was no one around me to help me as a child. So I never developed the energy of asking someone for help. Mm -hmm. So I was homeless a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Didn't have a place to stay for like six months. I wasn't sleeping out on the streets all the time, but luckily enough, I had friends that would help me out, feed me things like that, let me clean up or whatever. And then I had a baby too, I had a baby too. So it was like, man, I'm out here, can't even feed myself. Me and my wife, we're using the curtains as warmth, no bed, sleeping on the floor, and we're hungry. The lights are out, the water's cold. And it's just like, man, that was my lowest point. But it was something in me that I realized that, man, this baby girl need me. I can't be blamed, pointing the finger. My daddy wasn't in my life. The man against me. I was too much of a militant. And I realized that all this negative thinking and negative energy fighting the power, unfortunately, it's not getting me anything right now. So I got to do something that's that's not traditional to start winning. And that's what I did, bro. I started to start changing my thoughts because that was free. It didn't cost me anything to stop cursing. It didn't cost me anything to stop being around negative people. It didn't cost me anything to just start dreaming dreams of grandeur. And that's what I started to do. I started to sit there and start envisioning the life that I wanted to have, the life that I wanted my daughter and my wife to have. And that was one of the things, that's my first spiritual tool right there in my mind. You know what I mean? So that was like the darkest part of my life, man. I get like, not emotional, but you know, thinking about that energy that I was thinking about at that time was was uh, traumatic. You know, a lot of our brothers, you know, I come from the hood, seen a lot of crazy stuff. Pistol whips, shot at, seeing people get shot at in the head, people get their teeth knocked out from butts of guns, stabbings, you name it, I've been around and I've seen it, unfortunately. But that was never me, man. You know, one thing about a lot of people that are born in the hoods. We can't choose where we're born. I, I never felt like a hood dude. I fed in because I had to fit in. I had to do some things sometimes that I didn't want to do because if I didn't, it would be done to me. 
So a lot of things that I grew up with molded me, all those challenges that helped me evolve, I give thanks for. A lot of us, they anchor so much negativity, they, they lose the ability to unfetter or unchain themselves from that moment of time that no longer exists. All our challenges are here to help us evolve. So I look at all the suffering I've been through. I can relate to anyone that's suffering. I'm a beacon of light for people that suffer. I know how it is to suffer. I know it real well. So I see when someone's suffering on the frequency that I was once suffering on, I can go there emotionally, spiritually, and help them usurp their divinity, bro. Talk to me about that moment where you decide to change your mind. That moment. Can you give us like a story yeah. about where you were, where you sat down at for the people that's digging really deep right now? I'm going to be real with y'all, man. Sometimes sparks of um, greatness happens in some of the lowest places. You know, I didn't have a place to stay. So I was over my homie's house and I used to love cold gin. I threw it in the freezer, had a big old bottle. And I sat there on that couch. This was like 2000, maybe? No, it was 1998. 1998. I sat there and I'm drinking this, um, this, um, this vodka, I mean, this gin, and just playing Miss Pac-Man. And I wasn't going to stop playing until I beat Miss Pac-Man. And I just played that thing all day drinking. That was the last time I had a drink for about 10 years. You know what I mean? That was just a profound moment for me. I don't know if it's because I was in a trance playing Pac-Man, drinking, or what. But after I got done with that, I didn't take another drink for another 10 years. And I got my family back and uh, been winning ever since. So I give thanks to Miss Pac-Man and Jen. Absolutely. See, it comes from the most profound places. I had a conversation with another person on the show, and it's all a privilege. It's pretty much all a privilege after you go through everything. You realize hmm. that the actual equation called for this to be a part of your recipe for the gumbo to be just right. Hmm. You to serve up a pie. If you're going to be a servant, for you to serve up a pot of gumbo of yourself, the recipe got to be right. That means you got to have all the proper ingredients and you don't know where the manufacturer is bringing the ingredients from. You don't know how long it's going to take for it to simmer down and hunker down and be the right pot of gumbo for your spirit to really give out the type of food people need to stand up. And right. I appreciate you sharing that story with us today. Let's get out of that energy a little bit. Let's take it to a little lighter level. Let's go. Winning! Tell me something. What have you procrastinated on and why? You know, one thing I procrastinated on was my last book um, that I haven't even finished yet. It's called Information Entities. I just wrote Consciousness Equals Choice back in October. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that Consciousness Equals Choice is saturated in the consciousness of people yet before it being a blessing with another jewel right now. So I got another book of poetry dropping out in October that's going to replace Information Entities. And I'll drop Information Entities in 2022. So I okay. procrastinated on finishing up that book. It's the first time I've done that. 70% done, I said something was like, you know what, Chris, they ain't ready for this just yet. Wait, it's all about positioning and timing, you know? So I'm waiting. Melissa, I'm gonna be obedient and we'll wait. And I'm gonna drop my, my second book of poetry out in October. You know, it says in the universal law that the man waits for instruction and then he covers Ooh. his family. What does that instruction sound like to you? When do you know you have it? You know what? 
That's a great question. That's a question that my daughter actually asked me years ago. She said, how do you know when spirit talking to you? How do you know when I, I said, you know what, baby, it's not going to sound like your voice. It's not going to be in a guttural language. It's going to be in a feeling and a gnosis or, or a knowing. You're just going to instinctively know without knowing how. A lot of people think that they think for themselves, but depending on how high you're vibrating, how good you treat yourself and you see the world, you'll be able to dive deeper in the rich reservoir of consciousness that we all tap into that gives us most of our thoughts. 85% of all of your actions right now, you're not in control of. That's all in your subconscious mind. So if you can tap into something that's controlling most of you, why not do that? And that's what I've done. I'm always working on myself. I'm always taking in sunlight. I'm always breathing life into people. I'm always winning, saying it. You know what I mean? Creating things for the betterment of mankind. That's how you win. Money is tangible. It comes and goes. But who you are lasts forever. And it transcends time. So when I transition and die, I want to step over there. The, somebody go put a cape on my shoulder and say, you did that thing, Prince. You helped people. You was out there winning. You came from nothing, bro. I see you over there winning. And that's how I want to be viewed when I come over. I want to be high-stepping. I'm over going there scared. What am I scared for? I'm out here winning. I'm helping. I'm excited. I'm not ready. But let's go. No time soon. No, no time soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> We, we talked about this sparingly, but this next question, I want to hear you go a little bit detailed in it. Okay. How important is it to leave where you're from to develop, to develop yourself to where you're going? You know, that's a good question too, because they teach you to bring everyone up with you. But if you know anything about Maslow's Pyramid, if you bring everyone to the top, you're going to fall back down to the bottom. So there's a consciousness that hovers around certain areas and certain people. It has nothing to do with the race or creed. It's the energy of the area. I grew up around predominantly black people. If you would have took all of them out, put white, Chinese, Arabic, whatever, the energy would have been the same because there's a bunch of suffering going on. Mm -hmm. And when there's a bunch of suffering, unfortunately, there's a bunch of violence. So in order for you to get out of that, clean your spiritual soul. You got to get out of that. You got to get out of that and be a beacon of light to other people say, hey, it's great over here. Come on. You don't have to do that. Everything's a choice. Again, I was I didn't choose consciously to be born in the hood, but something made me uh, uh, allow me to be born in the, the man that I am today. And I give thanks for that because I can go anywhere and feel comfortable. When you're from the Lincoln course, I don't care what state you've been in in the hood, it's the same, man. The energy's the same, and we know how to move. You can't teach that. And it ain't a negative thing. It's more of a laid-back thing than anything, you know? This world is funny to me, the universal energy. I think, if I'm not mistaken, my family lived in Lincoln courts, and I spent an entire week there in the 90s. And I want to okay. shout out my cousin, AC, real quick. She is one of my favorite, favorite people on the planet. And I spent a week there and some interesting things happened while I was just sitting outside on this big old rock right in the middle of the project. Like it was a huge rock. I don't know you're familiar yeah. with that. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's the spot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know so, yeah, right I, in the middle. I know where you at. I'm super familiar. That's funny because you know, we you and I are just really meeting to get this thing together. And I I know exactly 
I spent time there more than a week. Okay. I, think it was about, I think it was about two weeks and I had a great time, but it was a lot of yeah. stuff going on in the hood. That That's a lot. The hood, you don't want to, you don't want to move around like that. Please don't. But things become normal to people and some people can't believe that it's something different. In fact, some people, no matter where they go, they look for that normal in whatever area they just travel to. So no matter what, if you take them to paradise, they're gonna look for the hood inside of paradise instead of enjoying what their new energy seems and feels like. And that's the yeah. scariest thing for people. Yeah. Well, it's all about your consciousness. You see, your reality is a reflection of how you feel about yourself inside. So when I moved out of Cincinnati, I told my mom, if I stay here, I'm gonna be dead. I gotta go. So I went down to Atlanta. I moved to a hood because that's all I could afford. And it was the same old thing. And then my homie getting shot in the head, we getting shot at it. You name it. I'm just trying to go to a concert. You know what I mean? But in the hood. But, um, you know, all those challenges did help me to evolve to something else, man. And I give thanks for them, bro. And a lot of people just don't realize the blessing that there is in those lessons. So many. It's all a privilege. Matter of fact, yeah. I remember I remember who I was talking to now, Mr. Elijah Long. It's all a privilege. He spoke about how he was a struggling actor in New York City and he was homeless at the time. And he mm. had $5 left to his name and he, you hold your book bag real tight when you fall asleep on the bench in New York. And he had a pizza. He ate, he walked, fell asleep with pizza in his hand and he woke up and a New York rat was eating his pizza. Mm. So he took the piece of the pizza and threw it back to gave the rat rat the half of the other pizza and ate his pizza and looked at God and said it it can't get no lower than this. I am standing oh. on my failures now. That it will not be. And today he's he is a successful director, just the first nice. black executive producer, I believe, of Rambo Three. So okay, do it. So it, this guy came up and I'm just telling everybody when you change your energy, like Mr. Chris said. It can be winning season winning. three. <laughs> Absolutely. Now I have this question here that is very intrusive. Now you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but it's a two-part question. Drop a gem if you like. Let me Are get some ready? water on this one. Then I gotta get some water real quick, bro. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, there's no, there's no rush. There's no rush here. Okay. The question is, what was abusive to you that you thought was love? What was abusive to me that I thought was love? You know, huh, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, when you grow up in the area that I grew up in, you couldn't be soft. You couldn't be soft. And I didn't have my daddy around, older brothers, so my mom was real tough on me. And the lady that raised my mom was even tougher on my mom and me. Her name was Big, I'm a piece of blessings be upon her. She's real tough on us. We got a lot of whoopings, you know, people would call it abuse, but she was a, a strong disciplinarian. If you start something, you better finish it. I don't care what it is. If you got something to put on your plate to eat, you better eat every drop. If she come home, that house ain't clean every day, the whole house getting a whooping. You know, it was three of us in there. So we was on everybody, make sure everybody did what they needed to do today. Cause I ain't trying to get whooped for them nobody else does. That don't feel good. But this is how we was raised, man. It's like the 90s handbook. Oh man. <laughs> for Come parents. On, man. <laughs> Come on, man. But you know, um, you know, she could only invest in me what was invested in her. You know, she was invested in so much negativity 
it was only natural for her to bequeath it unto me. But it's my job as the ambassador of my family to raise us all up and start something new. I didn't raise my daughter like that. I taught her what love was. Love is knowing when to hold on and when to let go. It doesn't have to strike. I would always talk to my daughter. You know what I mean? So everything that was done to me that it didn't feel good, that I was that I was mad, you know, those times, like, I hope you die, type of stuff like that, <laughs> you know, because it's so extreme. Yeah. You know, I never wanted my daughter to utter those words about me. So I showed her a different thing. So I think my whole suffering motif was so she could have the beautiful life that she have today. So a lot of people think it's all about you. It's not all about you all the time. Sometimes you can be the conduit to something great in your bloodline. Play your part. Stop worrying. Stop crying about it. How did you recognize it? And how long did it take for you to accept it? Hmm. That's a good question, too, because at 13, I was done. I was done. Like I said, I love her to this day. She's on my altar and I love her to death. And I mean, that's she's the most influential person in my life. But she was really strict. But um, at 13, I had enough. You know, uh, we were getting whooping sometime. We're not really a whole whooping, just a couple hits. But, you know, not even just a couple hits. That sounds like someone who used to get hit. But um, um, I had been taking martial arts since I was six years old. And by the time I was 13, I was nice. I'm still a martial artist. But anyway, and she hit me. I caught it. She hit me again. I caught it. I brought her into me. I said, you know, you ain't going to be hitting me no more. I was 13, but I felt like a, I had this God-like consciousness at 13. And she said, well, you got to get out of here then. And I said, okay, what I moved. And that's when I moved in with my mom full time. You know, my mom, she worked nights. And she didn't want me being at home in the hood alone. So I was with my great aunt. But um, at 13, I was done, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Talk to me about fatherhood. Now, I just don't want to talk to you about fatherhood when your kids are all precious and cute. I want to talk to you about the times where you love your kids, but I don't like you right now. Talk about the patience you need to have as a father. You know, patience is not even a strong enough word to, <laughs> to really convey the energy of patience that you need to embrace when you're a father. You have to be indifferent to what's going on and realize that that little sentient being is your child. She come here to experience life. He, she come here to experience life. Has nothing to do with you. You're here to mold them. When they make mistakes, you just can't come at them all guns blazing. You have to let them know why you're mad. And if you need to express yourself that way in physical violence, you need to check yourself, you know? So there's a lot of times. There's a lot of times where I was like, whoa, we, you about to get emancipated. You know what I mean? <laughs> because, you know, you, you what, what you talking about? What? You know what I mean? So, but that never came to it. 99% of the time, my daughter was amazing. I love her to death. She's the best thing that I've ever created. And I pour into her to this day. There's nothing she can't ask me that I won't do. Nothing. I don't care what it is. But that's the type of a role dog dad that I am. You know, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Patience. <laughs> give us a gem of fatherly advice that you would give a new father right now. Hmm. The biggest thing that I had, some of the biggest issues I had as a young father was wondering if I was good enough. I wonder if I was following this father blueprint that they all say we should have that only a man can give you. Every relationship is different. Every relationship with yourself, your lover, your child is different. 
Find the bridge of happiness within your own child and don't worry about no one else's relationship. Talk to your child, be honest with your child. Tell them like how you're feeling. Don't ask them what they're doing. Always ask them how, what they're thinking about, how they're feeling today. Right. Be mindful of their emotions. Be mindful of how you treat their mother. My daughter's never heard me call my wife out of her name, raise my voice. She never even heard us argue because I didn't want my daughter to grow up like I did. So when me and my wife had some dis disagreements, we would be quiet around each other. My daughter knew, but she also knew enough not to ask why, because it felt different. She knew something was up, but she never heard me mistreat or seen anything negative towards me, towards her mom. So in her paradigm, that type of mindset or reality doesn't exist. So she's not gonna bring forth or manifest that in her life by simply thinking about the suffering that her mom went through. Simply thinking about things like that with strong emotion is gonna bring forth it in your life. So you have to be mindful about how you treat the people that your child loves, regardless of you don't like them or not. You always have to be the bigger God or goddess when you're doing things like that. People need to also absolutely understand that your child's gonna love you whether you're a monster or an angel. They love you. And that's where your clean slate comes in. They don't know your history. They don't even know your story. That's why I always encourage people to try to interview their parents because your mama and daddy had a story too. The choices they made, there was a lot of things going on in their life. They wanted to be things that they didn't accomplish. Sit down and interview your parents. And once you sit down and ask them these really tough questions, whether y'all get along or not, you will understand yourself a whole lot more. And you understand mm. what to be as a person and as a parent a whole lot more. Because now I believe that interview brings you up to from out of a child's place to a place of understanding when you're an adult interviewing your parents. Because now mm. you have some of the experiences that they have to relate to what uninformed situation they made that either hindered your life or greatly increased your life well, interview your parents man i challenge everyone and let your kids interview you at a certain age also okay i accept i like that jewel truth all truth no matter what it is that bond cannot be broken your child asks you whatever question they want to ask you they like 15 16 you answer it truthfully even if it will compromise your marriage you tell them the question and answers they ask you and it has to be between you guys and they will understand mm -hmm. you more and i think respect will be i think respect will be out the roof because they'll understand that everybody's human everybody has a story I'm gonna tell you the biggest jewel that I think I gave my daughter, and it was an indirect jewel. I've never told nobody this either. But, um, you know, I had a lot of um, suffering as a child, so I wasn't the ideal student. I was a good student, but I was also had a lot of aggression. So I was always getting suspended and stuff like that, and get kicked out of class, all this, you name it. And, uh, but I always told my daughter, yeah, I was on the honor roll, I was the best student ever. Every year, A student, yeah, I was great. So I realized that the truth doesn't have to be the truth as long as you, it gets the desired result. So my daughter, unbeknownst to her, said, I'm over here C and D in some of the years as a child. She trying to get them A's and B's trying to be like me. So I indirectly helped her try her hardest. So, but late years later, my mom moved and she's seen all my old school reports and all that. And she let my wife read them and my wife divulged all the Jews to my daughter. So that was funny. This was like two years ago. That was funny. That was a good, that was a good moment. That was a good moment. I, I was weak because I remember. But, yeah. You know. For me, yeah. for me, with the interview thing came up for me because my dad left when I was young. And then mm. he came back into my life. I believe I was a teenager. And okay. 
I think it went about two, three years. So I asked him those tough questions. Look at, hey, why did you leave? What was going on? What you doing? What was up with that? And he had to answer them questions. And I got more Ooh. respect for him when I found out why he left, what he left for. Now, for anyone, it would sound stupid, but in the times they were living in, I understood it once you do your research and some history. He left because my mom wanted to get a job. Mm. And in his world, his grand, my grandfather and great-grandfather told him, you're the head of the household, you women don't work. Yeah. My mother still has this job to this day. It's about Ooh. to retire. So understand that it is urgent that men talk because sometimes things change and status quo change and if you don't get the memo you can ruin your family and your life standing on your pride for something that doesn't exist anymore this is real it's real but i i'm not mad at him i understand his lifestyle and his cho choices what he was given and what he was taught and what he stuck to mm -hmm. and since learned that life has changed it's different now you know mm -hmm. ways of life so interview your parents man you might have a better understanding and understand the things that you go through is all a privilege for the totality of your development to be a servant for someone else who needs you and that Thanks. sounds and and that sounds real easy coming from a person who has all his limbs has his health and all these great things but everyone has an extreme purpose just look for your opportunity to be that guiding light mm-hmm facts I want to talk to you about one of my favorite questions we have here today. Okay. Now we, we talked about you being an aggressive young teen. We talked okay. to you about being, you, you know, a little upset about the way the circumstances were, but did you ever get a sex talk? Who, what gave you sex education? You know what, you know, in the hood, you don't get no sex talks. So my mama wasn't talking to me about sex and I learned about sex from my homies. You know, unfortunately, there was a lot of, uh, there was a little thousands of girls around where I'm from. And all of them had low, uh, not, not excuse me, some of them had low self-esteem. <laughs> excuse me, guys. Some of them had low self-esteem. I'm just being real, you want to know. No, no, that's real, that's real. <laughs> See, my, my, I'm laughing because why do we get instructions from someone next to us who don't know either, right? No, no. And the severity, I, the reason I am encouraging this question and talking to men about it, because I want us to not be ashamed to talk to kids, our kids, about sex. Because if we yeah. don't, the media will. They put all these images in their head. Sex is selling at a high rate on everything. You can watch a Tropicana commercial, and it might be a girl in a thong drinking the Tropicana juice. It just might be yeah. something sexual everywhere you go. So the encouragement, yeah. and then like on a deeper note, the government has come in and taken our relationships for profit. If we can't get it together with some of our baby mamas, we end up on child support. And if we don't have the knowledge or financial literacy to understand what we're getting into, it could lead to your license being taken away. It could lead to yeah. you being out in the street. It could lead to you never being able to actually have the opportunity to be the father that you want to be to your kids. Mm -hmm. And not saying that it's us versus women. It's just the, the it is the moment of where you can actually has some stronger thought from having a good sex talk and understanding the severity, not just the actual feeling of it, because the feeling is great. It's one of the best things in the world to enjoy. But the actual, we play chess, the, the seven moves later. What happens seven moves from now? After that, maybe that one night stand, what happens nine months from now, possibly, if I don't put yeah. this, you know, what, it, what does that look like for the rest of my life if I'm only 15, 16 years old? Mm-hmm. 
So we just, I think we should talk to our kids and let them know what's out, the sons and, and the daughters and let them know what's out there. Yeah. Do you think you're going to talk to your daughter about sex? You know, my daughter's 25 and she's already moved out. So, but I you personally did. Talk to her about sex though. <laughs> but, but my wife did. My okay. wife did. My wife did. You know, we, the, the beauty about having a two family home, we can choose our battles. Right. And the thing I'm not comfortable with, you, hey, go handle that. You right. Know, the thing she's not comfortable with, I come in strong. So we always on a strong front. I'm not going to jump in the lane where I'm not that good. I let her handle that. You know, it'd be mad funny if you pulled it to the side now and said, hey, I want to talk to you about the birds and the bees. Yeah, she probably laugh and give me two to the body. <laughs> be funny. Yeah, two to the body all day with little D. Hey, listen, I just want to encourage people, man, just it, just to have that conversation. It's, it's uncomfortable. You know your kids, you know when they need it. Some kids yeah. mature faster than others. But remember, when you send your kids off to school, other people are maturing your kids through phones and all that faster than you think. So I think oh, yeah. just ready for that conversation. And front of the show, Cam West said for him, he's in his 20s. His, it started with respect from his, his parents. His dad, mom and dad told him respect for women early, which transcended over to how far he would go into the bedroom. See, coming from the hood, mm. we don't have too much guidance in terms of what respect looks like and what talking to a female consists of in the correction of how the rest of the world might view catcalling and everything like that we have right. a, we have a different code code text how we talk and we have to develop yeah. ourselves out of that now for some reason it spilled out into the streets into our music and now it's main popular culture but at yeah. one point it wasn't wasn't the main. So I just have an underground basic level of communication, how we could treat our women and how our women expect to be treated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, yeah, that's one of the, you know, I, I don't think a nation of people will ever do as well as they're treating their ladies. So I think once mm-hmm. we start getting the grips, grasp on how we treat our women and respect our women and our children, no one could touch us. But right now we're not respecting home, so that energy of disrespect is coming back on a lot of black brothers and brothers and sisters, unfortunately. Absolutely. Now that you say about the nation, should there be a basic training program amongst men? A level of educate a level of education and skill traits teached. Financial literacy, Definitely. communication, change attire, gardening, general wealth building, el- talking to the elderly with intent, stocks, real estate, but outside of the school system, outside of the Boys and Girls Club, outside of the church. I'm talking about real tribe building within the community. Your next door neighbor has vast knowledge, information about what they do for a living. You all teaching your kids, doing little tutorials, having little lemonade stands or little flea markets where you teach them. Do you think we can ever get that community wise together? We can do it on a small scale. Um, We have to create small individual units working cohesively together, making a big impact. The idea of trying to get 50 people to work with you ain't gonna happen right now. Because right now the egos are so strong and you get too many people in, everyone wants to be the leader, whether they're equipped to be a leader or not. So you gotta work in small groups and let everyone get to turn the lead. What are you good at? You good at that? Okay, you guys are gonna be over here. You guys are gonna be over here. Work in small cohesive groups. But I feel as if it can happen, and it's happening. I don't want to say more now than ever, but it's a lot of more. A lot of more. There are a lot more black millionaires now than it was ten years ago. 
So we're doing something, we're doing more good than we are doing wrong. And one thing we need to start doing as a people is start talking about what we're gonna do once we make all the goodness. Focus more on the good things we can be doing. The same thing you're doing. Focus on what we, we got the negativity down, Pat. We know all that. I don't want to hear nothing about nothing negative. I only want to hear about winning. Because when you only take in winning, you can only give out winning. And that's just where I'm at right now. At 45, I ain't got time to be on nobody's line pointing my finger and telling people to do better than me. I ain't got time for that. I'm going to be out here making these moves, doing what I got to do so me and my family can win. Do you see yourself representing entertainment? And what I mean by that is, do you see yourself on TV as a dad? Do you see your representation? Do you see yourself in music anywhere within our culture? You know, um, myself. The closest thing I would say to myself would be, uh, I can't remember this brother, Anthony Anderson on Blackish. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Silly in his own little world, making bread, happy home, nice life. It's still silly and comfortable being who he is most of the time. Me, I'm all the time comfortable. You know, I got a little Bill Cosby in me from back in the day. I got a little bit of that's my mom in me. Anywhere with us, said friends, Sanford and son, anywhere where there was a positive George Jefferson, you know what I mean? Anywhere where there's a positive brother, rock. Anywhere where there's a prom, positive you, brother. You see what you all these shows from 20 years ago? I'm talking yeah. about today. How does it feel about today? I like I I love all those representations, but today, what are we seeing? What are we doing? Because listen, people who are not from our culture mm -hmm. experience whatever is put on that TV in that entertainment too. That to yeah. them is who we are. Until mm. one of us comes along, and they actually give the opportunity to prove different. So, if that's the case, no one, no one. I don't really watch a lot of TV like that, but um, not like I did back in the day. But I would say no one then that embodies all of me. I'm a different type of dude, man. It's a pleasure to to even be experiencing my own life. You know what I'm saying? I love I'll be it. out here with like, man, I come from so, I come from humble beginnings and I have the life that I have now. It's a blessing, it's a gift. And I've always been mindful about the moves I make. And I attribute that to playing chess at nine years old. Starting chess gave me a militant-minded, it allowed me to be militant-minded, but not militant-acting. So I can come in with a smile winning. You don't know that I'm a martial arts, a Wing Chun, C-Lot, um, you name it. A bunch of skills that could, uh, I could hurt more people than I can heal. You know what I mean? But I'm always <laughs> lead with, I'm always lead with love and light. He's winning. That's an aspect of me that can come out when needed. But when you master certain aspects of yourself, it helps you master other aspects of yourself. So I don't care if you like to knit, sew, crochet, whatever, master something. So you'll know what mastery feels like. And then you can apply that template to whatever else you want in your life. It's a part of being a man. It's part of being a father. It's part of being a patriarchal leader. You should know how to fight. You should have a mastery. You should have a lot of things going for yourself that can protect and provide and secure. And there's nothing wrong with that, man. Wing Chun is amazing. I'm going to put my son in Caparata classes. He's only four. Ooh. But I'm about to put him in Caparata, and I'm going to see what he can do. Because I want to see how he's going to beat me up in 20 years. <laughs> man, if he's doing Caparata, keep him close. Yeah, keep him keep close. Him close. <laughs> yeah, but that Caparata, if you give it three feet, it's, it's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. It's a wrap. You, 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 we're not built for heels to be coming at that velocity 
you can't block that. You got to get out the way or you'll get whatever blocking broke. They come right. with two. Capoeira has one of the strongest kicks in any of the arts. I don't oh. care what you're talking about. Nothing kicks stronger than a Capoeira fighter that knows what they're doing. I did see that little back kick that uh, Seth Rogen does. That little... That's yeah. look, look like that was technically that's that's that was nice, but they ain't got nothing on no Capoeira kick. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> audible <laughs> question. Here's an audible question for you. Yes, sir. Shout out to my boy Virgil. I hope you're watching this show. How real is Steven Seagal? <laughs> you know what? I've never seen Steven Seagal in real combat. So I'm not, I can't say. In the movies, he looks great. But I've never seen no one trying to take his head off. And until someone trying to take his head off and I see how he respond, oh, I can't answer. Steven Seagal, shout out to you, man. I just love everything about you. You're always so calm. You're always so collected. He's my guy. He's my He's guy. My He's guy. everybody's guy. I've seen you shoot through the same hole 10 straight times. <laughs> but I, I've never seen the the yeah. temperament of a warrior within Steven Seagal. That's just me personally. Yeah, hey. Most warriors got a, you know, a little bit of, but it could be the, the pseudo code he follows. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I just never seen him in any real combat yet. Oh man. Steven Seagal is hard to kill, man. He was nasty. <laughs> screw face have four <laughs> eyes and two heads. <laughs> yes, we don't know no screw face. We're sorry. We're sorry <laughs> for the younger <laughs> generation. It's called Hard to Kill. Watch the Steven Seagal movie. Check it out. Netflix. Boy. <laughs> I want to poll you real quick. I Please do. Know, I'm here. I want to know the top three things you want in a woman. And I want to preface this by saying this is totally, there's no wrong answer here. It's about what you want, what you need. But I always say that men don't leave out the one thing that I'm thinking about, which I feel that should be at least in your top 10. Well, here's your top three. Mr. Chris, you now have the floor. You know, my top three in a woman is I wanted her to really love herself more than she loved me. Mm -hmm. I wanted someone to love themselves more than they love me. Cause I love the hell out of myself. I don't need you loving me too. I want you to love me, but love yourself first. You gotta be able to give it. That's two, why you gotta love yourself. I wanted a strong queen. I wanted someone that people were like, I ain't hollering at her because she's tough. It gonna take you about, about a year or two, maybe marriage before you get that. <laughs> I, I wanted that type of chick like that, that just wasn't free with her soul like that. And I wanted someone who showed compassion when no one else is watching. Mm. Those three qualities is virtuous for what I wanted in a queen. Anything else can be tinkered, but those qualities, you either got them or you don't. And if you don't have it, I'm flattered, queen, but I'm waiting on that one. Self-love is super important, man, because self-love, it, it, it frees space for people to give love and to give it adequately. I always say intelligence should be at least to your top 10. So I hope you put intelligence in there somewhere because, you know, the emotional conversations, the conversations we have with each other, all the dialect mm -hmm. and the information that we, the conversations we have later on in life where you start to get yeah. old, that yeah. sharp mind of a woman is very intriguing to me. You know, um, I agree with that. I agree with that. You know, I wanted someone who was, um, who had potential. You know, I, I wasn't in school with my woman, but we were good friends. We went to the same school, but I wasn't in the same class. I knew she was intelligent by her decisions. Mm. You know what I'm saying? The way she, the, the, her, the vernacular she used. I was like, oh, she don't even curse? Who the hell don't curse? 
You know what I mean? <laughs> but this is back in the 90s when everybody was just freely with him. Yeah. You know, but she didn't. And then she just had a different energy about herself that was intriguing to me. I knew she was intelligent. Intelligence is um, felt. You can tell somebody you're intelligent, but you feel it. Yeah. You know? You, oh, you know. I blame. A little, I'm, I'm from the hood, but I'm still intelligent. Oh, there's a you lot. Know what of, I mean? There's a lot of intelligent brothers from the hood that just have, they may have watered too much of their dark sides for the intelligence to stand out in the forefront. But their intelligence is still there. Their calculations are never off. And I blame Wu-Tang for all the cursing in the 90s. Let me stop. <laughs> Everybody had a Wu-Tang. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that answer. I appreciate it. Let me ask you this. How much are you trying to understand communication between two, you and your lady? Are you familiar with the five love languages? The five love languages? Nah, I'm not. No, I'm not. Let me enlighten you. Um, let, sure. let, let me like, let's talk about it. See, the five love languages is words of affirmation, quality mm -hmm. time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Now, underneath those five things, there are subcategories of what everyone likes in a, and that feeds them the right sources of to make them thrive in a relationship. Okay. Words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Okay. Some men like quality time physical touch it depends on who you are it depends on what you like so out of those five things you can say what you like that it may be a subcategory of things that feed your soul your mind your chakras your energy but under those five categories what do you think leads for you words of affirmation quality time receiving gifts acts of service or physical touch you know i'm going to go with quality time because you can put a litany of things in quality time right Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm right. going with the quality time. We're going to just fill that quality bucket up with a whole bunch of stuff. So the whole point of the book is that you actually recognize, you take like a small survey and it shows you what you value the most. And then your counterpart is also supposed to take the survey and it shows you what she values the most. And then you try to administer things that focus around whatever it is your first and second strongholds are. So if you, okay. yours is quality time, then she would make sure that even though she's working or doing whatever she is in life to be the best version of herself, she still carves out quality time because that makes you feel full as a man to go face today. And now you feel like you're Superman, regardless if you already feel like Superman, you got even more armor on you because now your woman is feeding you and you're feeding your woman. So let's say hers is words of affirmation and yours is quality time. Like you said, mm -hmm. every day you tell your wife, you're beautiful, I love you, you're special, you're great. You're probably already feeding her things that she loves. She probably already loves words of affirmation, but you're already doing it. And now you're feeding each other, you're, you're feeding each other's souls intrinsically in your mind, you're going in and you and these are the things you pay attention to. Mm -hmm. So check out that book, man, whenever you get a chance. It's called yeah. The Five Love Languages, I, I believe. It is something that can help you get on the road to just understanding your partner a little bit better. Because okay. everybody's different. Everybody comes from different qualities. Some people lack these qualities because of their upbringing. Some people, yeah. some people were touched as babies and physical touch, they don't like it. They don't know how to resonate mm -hmm. with it. But what happens, when you're, what happens when your love language is physical touch and theirs is the opposite, they don't like that. So that's mm. where sacrifice and service comes in a relationship. Well, you learn to nice. change your muscle memory to grow each other. Mm, love it. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Yes, sir. How, how do I approach a man I have problems with? Hmm. 
you know, you really have to think about is he how he's going to be receptive to what you what you're given. If you know it's going to be an argument, why toil with something you already know where it's going to lead? And what are you to gain from the situation? Is he paying your bills? Are you is he doing something for you that's going to matter in your life? Or if this is an argument by someone that you can say, okay, if I never see or speak to this person again in my life, are you okay with that? And if you are with it, don't say anything. The person doesn't exist anymore. We get too tied up with trying to let people know, hey, I think you're wrong. I want you to know why I feel you're wrong. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? I don't toil. If you got a disagreement with me, you don't want to speak to me no more. I wish you well, bro. Winning! Because I realize that there's a lot of people, a lot of people are nothing more than low vibratory algorithms in our earthly reality okay, that are sitting here, here to make sure we don't to make sure we don't evolve. A yeah. lot of people are nothing more than low vibratory algorithms in our earthly reality that are sitting here to make sure you don't evolve. So when someone shows you that they're one of them low vibratory people, leave them where they are. Leave them where, your light, your your light is your highest spiritual currency. You got to act like it means something. We give our light away too freely to people. You cannot give your light to someone who has a mind of the night. It doesn't work like that. It's going to dissolve your light and you're going to be mad because you're taking their darkness. And darkness isn't good nor bad. They're both different forms of the creator's life. But it's up to you to choose which one's right for your life. Bam, 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 bam. Another audible question. Number three of the day. Audible question. Do you have a difference between like and love and why? Yeah, it's a big difference between like and love. It's not even in the, for me, it's not even in the same planet. You know, when I like something, I might not like it tomorrow. I might like it again in three more weeks. But if I love something that's infinite, you can be mad at me, don't want to even do nothing with me no more, but I'm always love you. There's going to always be a special place in my consciousness, in my heart, in my soul for you if I love you. If I just like you, yeah, all right. I'm gonna be late around you. Mm. I like you. You good? I love you. Yeah, if I love you, I'll be on time. I show love to everyone I meet, but if I like somebody, I might be a little late because I like them. I don't love them. Mm. I like your perspective on that. I want to put you back in the husband chair. As a husband, now you have to choose one of these and explain why. Okay. There's no wrong answer subjugated towards you again. This one, this is one of my favorite questions. Let's as go. A, as a husband, would you rather have a great woman or a great wife? Hmm, a great woman or a great wife? You know, they're one and the same. Because before me and my wife got married, she was always my wife. She was my ride or die. Society say, oh, she's your wife now. But she was always my lady. She was always my queen, my woman. She has many titles. So they're one and the same with me. I want greatness around me at all times. Well, if there's a line and they say, hey, greatness over here, not so good over here. Where are you going? I'm going into greatness. I'm always reaching in the back to get the best of everything. I feel as if I deserve the best. And when you feel as if you deserve the best, the universe is going to give you what, how, what you feel you deserve. So I deserve a divine queen and I got one. Let's go. Winning. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> we talk about leaving a legacy, but we ignore major steps. Do you mm. have a will? Yeah, I do have a will. Yeah. Why do you think we 
in our communities run away from having wills, having insurance, having trust? You know, I just think that you're a reflection of your level of understanding. And a lot of people don't think far term like that. A lot of people don't think about their assets or what they're leaving behind. Every one of my books is an asset that I'm leaving that I'm going to bequeath to my daughter. You know, my wife knows all my passwords, everything. Whenever I'm trading, I trade the binary foreign exchange currencies and I trade crypto. She got my password to all that. She know what my ledgers are. She know all that. So if anything happens to me, it's written and she knows. You know what I'm saying? But I just think we need to start thinking beyond the boundaries of what society is telling us to focus on. Because none of this stuff really matters. We can't take it with us. It's a moment of time. If you're lucky, you may get the chance to come back and do it right. You know, you won't get the same stuff you had the last time, you know? Mm, if you're lucky, you may have to come back and get it, they do it right. I like that. Yeah. I really like yeah. that. A lot of people shy away from things they like to close their eyes and hope the monster will walk past instead of opening their eyes and seeing what they can do to live or what they can do to understand that it's not even a monster coming to them it could be a friendly advice friendly ear how do you explain to people that's that laugh at stuff like reiki and all these divine energies they just hmm. how do you feel about that you know you know i'm indifferent to their feeling when i see someone who doesn't understand something I leave them where they are. I, I, I give thanks that I understand it and I see how far I've come. A lot of things that you see in life are reflections or mirrors of who you were or will be or used to be. You have to choose to see who that person is and why are you spending time right now with this person? It's not always about to point the finger or feel a certain way. You got to be indifferent to everything. There's duality in everything. But when you have a high perspective of things, you realize that everything that comes to you is a gift, it's a lesson, it's a blessing, it's a learning situation, it's a challenge. The universe is always sending you signals. But if you're not aware, your awareness isn't as astute as someone else's, you'll be missing all the messages. You'll be catching all the negative messages because that's what you're focusing on. But when you focus on light, you are light, you spit light, you gleam light, you're gonna see more light messages. And then soon the bridge to darkness won't be able to find you. And that's where I'm at right now. I don't have problems like that. Because karma is nothing more than momentum. It's not good nor bad. You do a lot of good, you're going to build up a lot of good momentum impetus. You're going to have a lot of fervor in your way. But we do a lot of negativity, though. No one, no one seen me get that. It's going to get you, bro. It's going to get you. It might not come in the same form, but the energy is going to transmute right back to you. So always give out good because you're going to get good in return. I do a lot of giving. I do a lot of giving, paying people's food, gas, all that stuff. It always comes back. Winning. <laughs> Tell me, what was the last time you got to operate at your full capacity of your mind, where you can walk in a room and be around the right people, where you say, I can actually be the full length of my intelligence, my vocabulary, the topics Ooh. of conversation I can put together. I could be pedantic as possible. Ooh. You know, there's two different sides of me. I got this warrior side that when I go to martial arts seminars, I just received my sixth dime, so I'm excited about that. But when I go to these martial arts seminars, I can physically express myself in a different way that most humans wouldn't even be able to capture. Because a lot of the martial arts that I do, you have to feel. You can't see it because it's going too quick, but you can feel it. But there's also opportunities where I'm doing some public speaking or things like that, where I'm able to, to give people a sense of who I am verbally, to really convey my light through this guttural language that I'm speaking and the, the spiritual energy that I'm giving them too. It's a weird feeling when you're speaking love 
and you're imparting love on every word, people start looking at you like, because they, you know you have the, humans know when someone's telling them the truth, and they know when someone's lying to them, you know? So I always just speak from the, from, from the rip, from the truth, man. It's easier that way. When I do radio shows and things like this, I don't need to get ready. I'm me. I don't need to get ready for me. This is my life. I'm speaking off the dome. The questions you ask me, I don't know. But I'm just speaking off whatever comes to the dome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Validation from your partner. It's like you win a championship when you meet the right woman. But Mr. Chris, I ask you, do you defend the title? Are you competing with the best versions of yourself every day to give her the best versions of you? Are you defending the title? You know, that's a good question. Um, after you start maturing, you're going to realize when you need to compete and when you need to sit back and let them rise to the top. Because everyone wants to feel like a winner. And winning is easy to me. And it's becoming very easy to my wife now. But, you know, we both come from places that we're kind of dark and we embrace that stuff a lot. But now she's winning financially more than me, her, or anyone in our family thought she would ever do. Me too. But she just like, she just took it to a whole other level. Do you know what I mean? So I just think that I'm in not no, I'm no way near competition for her because her money, my money, bro. We out here winning. If you can do, if you can make 200K, let's go. We winning. With. I'm going to be on, I'm gonna, you, I, I got your bags, baby, let's go. Still be manly, though. It's still lead. Oh, yeah. It ain't about no money. Yeah, a lot yeah. of men think, if I don't make enough money, it's my woman, I'm not a man. That's what you think, because you weak. I could be, no job still the man in the house. But we don't, I don't lead. We lead together. You know what I'm saying? I'm taking back to the old ways where the feminine energy is just respected as the masculine energy. That's where I roll from. We're, we don't do nothing traditional. Anything people do are traditional, we don't do. And that's why we're winning. There's an order and I, I feel like you keep it. And I think the men listening can find out, I don't want to call them weak. I just want to call them uninformed because it was a lot of guidance that was lacked. A lot of us, it was more than 50% of us didn't have fathers. And they left for the wrong reason. So there was no guidance to even give us even any intricate information that there's an order. And I think we're seeing the results of having no order, having no laws down between our marriages, between our relationships, between our respects for our women and our men in our culture. And we're seeing chaos right now. And yeah. it, chaos will always be present, but we can have less of it and more of us as a whole and unity working things out. You know, me and my wife had this discussion about a couple months ago. We were saying that, is it more chaotic now than ever before? Or, or do we just have more opportunity to see the chaos? Because if everything's balanced, there need to be a balance. So was it always balanced and we just didn't see it or hear about it? So I think it's more entertaining when the, when the chaos is out front. And I think that got everything yeah, yes. somebody's making money. Because I got the question when I ask you, do you see yourself representing the media? Most of the time, the answer is going to be no if you're here dropping gems. Because guess what? There's no yeah. black men on TV dropping gems. Yeah. And we have all cultures of all walks of life coming to the show. But when I talk to another black man, I, I overstand that this is rare air that people see us in to express ourselves in an intricate way, no matter where we come from. The fact that mm -hmm. we books, put in the knowledge and understand 
the words and understand the coding of how to speak and how to represent ourselves on a professional standpoint mm-hmm. is something that most people will call us outliers, but we're not outliers. There's balance here. There's many of us. And that's what mm-hmm. and is all about. Bringing those guys out of the shadows so you can see that there's balance and that there's another half of us that are great. And the other half yes, is not, nothing wrong with the other half. They just misinformed. They have not had a chance to develop yet. And when we all get it together, it's going to be nothing short of universal energy at its finest. Yeah. Yeah. I came up with something called operating at 100%. Okay. What I mean by that is I took five categories, purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Again, I repeat, purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. I gave them 20% each, totaling up to 100%. 20% for purpose, meaning that you're doing what you're supposed to do, living in your purpose every day. Health, working out, eating right, meditating, and praying. Confidence means you're doing things without any fear or insecurities. Money, saved a little money, made a little money, invest a little money, and knowledge. You took in some new information, all 20% each. So I ask you, Mr. Chris Enlightened, within the last 24 hours, how much of 100% have you been operating out of? That is purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. What's the date today? Tuesday? So in the last 24 hours, what I do yesterday, so yesterday was like Mondays is like my chill day. I don't really do much on Monday because it's kind of my rest for the weekend, from the weekend. So confidence, I'm always confident. I walk anywhere, you know, head up, look around, scan the room, what's good, winning, coming in with love and confident of it. Um, Purpose, you know, right now I'm in my rest period. You know, I've been going hard body for the past five years and I'm in my rest period right now. So I'm resting Um, money. I make money whether I'm working or I'm sleeping. So the money is always going up when you day trade. Let's go money in minutes. Um, What what, what were the other ones? Um, Okay, we got got health. We got health. health. You know, my health has been better because, man, that's this new Jamaican restaurant around the corner. And man, I had some oxtails, some snappers, some candy yams, some uh, some uh, most of plantains, rice and peas. In, la- in the last twenty four hours. <laughs> well, those were the last three days I've been going each day. I'm going the day after this call. Let's go. <laughs> Let's man, go. I find something I like. I go. I haven't been working out. I just, I just, um, what was that? Um, June. I finished my hundred push ups for thirty days. So I haven't done a push up since June thirtieth. But I'm gonna get back. I'm just resting right now. Um, I think that's it. Purpose. My purpose is just and knowledge. Being the, oh, knowledge, man. You know, one thing about my knowledge is I do a lot of poetry, so I'm always writing down words and things like that. And while I'm writing a book, I don't like to take in any new knowledge because it will affect my flow of writing. Absolutely. I don't want to be. I don't want to be like inspired by no one else's thinking on things. So yes. until October, I won't be reading anything new. It's all about who I am right now. So as far as learning anything new, not really, not really. Absolutely. Well, you learned about the five love languages on this show. So I'll give you 10%. There you go. I accept. Boom. There you go. So give yourself percentages out of each one. Purpose out of 20%. What you say you got. Even though you're in your rest period, your purpose is to rest. So if you're resting, that's what your purpose is right now. So out of 20%, how would you say? I'm going to get that. Out of 20%, I'm going to get that 10 what about health? Health, I'm going to give 30. No, it's out of 20%. 20%. 
Is that a or twenty percent? Or twenty percent? I'm gonna get a health uh, fifteen because my intent. I'm intending to win. But I like delicious food, man. Confidence uh, out of twenty percent. Twenty one. Let's go. Twenty. Twenty. Money out of twenty percent. Twenty. And knowledge. Even though I haven't learned anything new, I have a reservoir of information in my head that I just can't wait to just spew learn something the new to five love languages. I did, that's right. I'm taking that to 20. Let's go, 20. Five love languages. Can't remember them right now. Yeah, but they're in there. You're not supposed to remember until October. When October rolls around, you can go check the book out. There you go. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So that sounds uh, like it sounds like you operated close to 80%. There you go. That's yeah, about eighty percent. You know, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm where I'm. You know, one thing about me, and I attribute this to the hood. I'm wherever I'm, wherever I need to be, whenever the operate, whatever, whatever it is. I, even if I've never done it before, we competing. Let's go. And that's just the mentality that I have. I've always been a winner. Even as a little kid, I was a fat kid as a kid. People would choose me last. At the end of the game, they'd be like, I'm gonna choose you next first next time. Because yeah, yeah. I might not have no handle, but my D was superb. I found I'd do whatever I would cheat as a kid. You know, but that's just my will to win was stronger than my need to fail. And it's always been like that. Let's go. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. You are now part of the Silhouette Boys Club. It is people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine. Now, before you go, we love to get referrals for the show. Is there anyone okay. you come on this show drop these gems and answer these questions yeah man i got a couple people that i will reach out to um see a lot of my guys they don't really do a lot of public stuff no internet i mean not no internet but no social media they don't like to move like that they like to be behind the scenes i'm like the only one in my circle that let's share let's go they about that bread and just be like you know i only want you to know i'm here so i'll ask them but We'll I'll be see. honest with you. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. That's honest. We'll see, man. We'll, we'll keep it quiet for this time, ladies and gentlemen. Before you go, please tell everyone where they can get some books from you, information, how they can stay in contact with you. Definitely. Um, If you want to look at me or check me out, you can support my YouTube page, The Enlightened Journey. That's T-H-E-E, -E, Enlightened Journey. I teach people about ancestor altars. It's important to burn ancestor money, to dissolve your negative financial karma that's bequeathed to you from your ancestors, and just help you win in life. Motivational speaking, all that good stuff to bring a smile to your face first thing in the morning. All my books can be reached on Amazon, Poverty Consciousness, um, The Enlightened Talks, a book of metaphysical spiritual poems that's guaranteed to titillate your frontal lobe wealth consciousness dissolving your limitations and consciousness equals choice you know my name's chris enlighten anywhere you type in chris enlighten all my stuff will come up get at me we are here with thank you mr chris enlighten i appreciate that for those listening you can reach me at solutionsformen at gmail.com to be a guest on the show or at sheen one on all platforms let's continue this conversation on clubhouse facebook instagram twitter or in the streets if you see me before we go, we end with a quote from Dr. Miles Monroe. <clears throat> True success is not measured by how much you have done or accomplished. It's not compared to what others have done or accomplished. True success is what you have done compared to what you could have done. In other words, living to the maximum is competing with yourself. It's living up to your own true standards and capabilities. Success is satisfying your own personal passion and purpose in pursuit of personal excellence. So question of the day question of your life are you maximizing your life
Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Solutions for Men. Mr. Chris Enlighten, we thank you. Peace and blessings, y'all. Winning! <laughs>